I'll say this for him, he's consistent. Well, he's been so consistent all year. Not to taste, consistency. Consistently, yes. Consistency! Thanks, losers. And welcome to the Fantasy Football Consistency Show. I am your host, Bob Long, as always here on a Sunday evening, just kind of kicking back. We just got through probably the most exciting three days we've had in the last, oh, I don't know, six weeks. Um, And that, of course, was the NFL draft. Um, Honestly, my wife didn't feel the same way about this last three days. But anyway, that's okay. But I think Ron probably feels good about it. Ron Rigney down in Florida. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. You know, it was nice to have something sports related to take our mind off of everything. And I, I look forward to the NFL draft every year anyway. It's one of my favorite things to watch. Yep. And, you know, back in my younger days when I had a little bit more time, I was glued to all seven rounds. And now I try to watch as much of it as I can. But you can't miss that that first round especially. And then Friday night, try to get a hold of that as well. But entertaining stuff. It was really cool how they did it. I thought it was kind of neat to see the families involved and not sure what the hell was going on at Mike Vrabel's house on Thursday night. A little bit of craziness in the background, but overall, pretty pretty entertaining. Would like to see a few more trades, but I yeah. think we're both happy with our home with our hometown teams and how they did. And I think there's a lot to talk about fantasy wise. Yeah, first off, I think Cliff Kingsbury makes way too much money, or has made way too much money <laughs> in the past uh, as a college coach because he only been in the NFL for what a year or two. I can't imagine he's making that much to. Uh, to have that kind of spread. I thought that was college money right there. Uh, but anyway, sweet place. Uh, my personal favorite of the night was a family house. Not necessarily a family house. It was, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was Henry Ruggs who had the bathrobe on. Yes. That, I just went, I, I, you know, it was it was definitely that meme of that guy that just kind of shakes his head like, because I was actually talking to my daughter in Vegas. You know, she lives in Vegas. And I said, hey, the Raiders are up. I said, we'll see what they pick. And and I, I just went, oh, my God, he has a bathrobe on. <laughs> my daughter's like, what? I go, turn on the TV. I just switch it over if you, have, if you don't have it on. I go, he's wearing a white bathrobe. I go, why is he wearing a white bathrobe? What is going on? <laughs> I still don't know why. Was it ever decided that it, was that just? He just wanted to be different. I, I don't not know. not that I heard of. Okay. I I don't know. Um, I, I, Michael Irvin tried to break it down. I can't remember even what he said. Something about it. he's trying to show that he's he's going to be comfortable going down to Dallas, going to Oakland or oh. Las Vegas or whatever. Okay. I don't know. He said something like that, but it was ridiculous. Yeah, but like I, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, no. That, that that to me was my favorite. I mean, there was obviously lots of great you know personal stories and you know some amazing things. Um, that these people have been through and, you know, so uh, obviously lots of emotion. I totally get that. But yeah, the bathroom was the one that got me and yeah, the Vrabel's, uh, the kid with the, the Frozone from uh, outfit on, that was quite interesting. Let alone the kid allegedly looked like he was taking the dump in the back room, but he said it was just a, his somebody sitting there on a stool talking to his wife. Okay. So you, you make, you make your own decision on that. That's what, that's what okay. Vrabel said, but. My thought is, why would you have an open window like that to a bathroom anyway? That's why I'm like, yeah, I don't, it can't be real. But that's all right. It was a good time anyway. A lot of fun, like you said. Um, you know, um, I'm I'm perfectly fine with them not having all the crowd and that. I think they should do it like this every year. But Great. that that would take the fun away. And since next year it's in Cleveland, I'm going to say, let's wait. <laughs> we want to do it from here. I want to go. So so Ron, you can come up at the end of April next year and. 
hang out. We'll go. We'll go to the draft up in Cleveland. Beautiful. Yeah, and then it's back out in Vegas in 2022, which is great because then we can go out. We can just stay at my daughter's place and we can go to the draft there. That'll be fun. Perfect. Yeah, well, we got so this we, figured out, man. Yeah, we got next two years locked, so we're there. So anyway, so tonight we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about obviously, uh, you know, just from a fantasy standpoint. We all know a lot of things here have to come into place. You know, there's you know guys that get drafted on the offensive line that helps with the running game, blah, blah, blah. And then, but we only have 45 minutes, so we're going to focus on fantasy relevant. Who can hit that magical 60% consistency mark this year in 2020? Now, we're all assuming everything's going to go as planned. We're all going to play the normal amount of games, blah, blah, blah. So let's just we'll keep that out of the thing. We're going to talk about football. You know, I hope all is doing well out there. Everybody's enjoying uh, your fantasy football consistency guide. Um, if you were going to buy it this week, give me about three days because I want to update it all so you make sure you get your most current copy. Uh, but if you bought it already, don't forget you can get a free uh, update PDF, of course, off the website. Just let me know. So, Ron, we started the quarterback position, the number one pick overall from Ohio, Athens, Ohio, that is. Uh, Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals, no surprise at all. Um, does Burrow start first season? I, I'm saying yes. And will he be 60% consistent? I think he's got a very good chance. He comes into a very good team, good offense, good, good weapons around him. Do you see Joe Burrow making that illustrious 60% threshold? I, I, I'm going to go. Yes. I think so. And I think of anybody at the quarterback spot, he's the only guy that's really got a chance at it because, you know, a couple of guys we'll talk about here. It's not as right. clear of a path to the starting job. But you, you look around him, very solid complement of weapons. You know, he's got a workhorse in the backfield to hand it off to. You know, he's got a solid complement of receivers, including one they drafted, T. Higgins, that we'll talk about a little bit later on mm-hmm. when we go over the wide receivers as far as fantasy. But I think he can hit that just because of the growth that he showed last year. Now, you know, the one thing that people are going to say against him is the fact that, you know, he had a huge complement of, of weapons at LSU. You know, the the guys that went in the first and second and third round, I can't. I think they ended up having, I want to say, like 14 players yeah. drafted, something like that. Had some mm-hmm. guys signed in free agency afterwards. So that that's one argument against him. But I, I think he just made the leaps, and I, 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 I he's just impressive, just the throws yeah. he's able to make. But, I, yeah, I think he can hit that 60% mark for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally agree. And I and I think there's, like you said, good talent there. Um, the next two off the board at number five and number six, Tua Tagalova and Justin Herbert. Um, you know, we're not sure on the health of Tua. Everybody says he's fine. Um, but with the whole virus scenario going on, there wasn't the ability for the team to check him out. Um, but, you know, they say he's healthy. My thought is is he might be a little rough, um, a little raw to be coming right in. I think they'll I think it's a I think I see like eight games, you know, about halfway through the season, how the Dolphins are doing, how Fitzmagic is coming along, uh, before he gets in. Um I, I whether he hits the sixty percent mark, I don't know. You know, certainly not the complement of weapons that Burrow has in overall talent. Some good guys, obviously Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Uh, Jordan Howard, um, and now Matt Breida at the running back position. So a nice little one-two combo there. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tua? 
Well, you don't forget Mike Gesicki, too, coming on a little bit last right, year as well. Right, Another the solid weapon for a rookie quarterback if he starts. I, I think that it, you, you hit it right on the head, and I think of the guys here we're going to talk about at the top, I think he's probably the one with the highest opportunity to possibly sit out the entire year mm-hmm. just because of some of the question marks. From what I'm hearing, the health you know, is, is not necessarily a concern. Now, I don't know how much of that I can believe, but overall – I, I think that with the position that Miami's going to be in, I don't think they're going to be contending for the Super Bowl anytime soon. I think right. they can afford to they can afford to go either way. They can afford to sit him the whole year and just go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, or if they want to, like you said, about eight games in, toss him in there if they feel that he's ready and just kind of give him eight games to feel it out and not really care what happens. I think they could they could go either way. The one thing that gives me a little bit of uh, pause, I guess, is is if they they kind of find themselves maybe in a position if they can get that team to play hard enough in that division, that division could be down a little bit this year. You right. know, New England could be down a little bit. The Jets could be down a little bit. Buffalo, I think, is going to end up winning it pretty handily. But, but you never know what might happen, so we'll see. Right. No, definitely. Next up, uh, eight, number five or number six spot, and basically the three potential starters that, that could happen this year. we got Justin Herbert for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know, Tyrod Taylor didn't last long in Cleveland before Baker took over. Um, my thought is it might go the same way here. We'll see again how this all starts out. But, you know, Herbert's was kind of said to be a little bit, a little, little more raw. Um, you know, certainly had his moments, but also had, had some times when he wasn't that great in college in Oregon. But, uh, you know, he certainly is built for it. He's six six, so he's got the uh, the height and everything to go with it. Um, but if anybody, I think, gets in, maybe not as fast as Burrow, maybe not starting week one, but you never know. Um, you know, Herbert might be the starter and certainly could. But I just feel like he's a little more erratic, not as polished as Burrow and Tua. So I think there could be some, certainly some ups and downs. I don't know if I can see him hitting that 60% consistency. Um, you know, I think he'll play probably 10 games, but that's about all I can see out of him. What are your thoughts? I'm still a little bit shocked. I, I, when going into it, I was kind of thinking the Chargers might go another way as far as quarterback. Not to say that I think Tyrod Taylor is the answer, but I think that they feel like, and when you look at them on paper, this team is a little bit re- more ready than the, obviously the Bengals and the Dolphins to win some games. You know, they have mm-hmm. a solid defense, solid, another team with a solid complement of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the Keenan Allens, the Mike Williams, the Hunter Henrys, Austin Ecklers of the world. So they've definitely got some guys around him that he can succeed with. It's just a matter of, you know, I think that he, out of him and Tua, I think he might be the guy that wins the job first just because of where they're at. I think that if they feel like they can maybe get him to maybe manage games, not necessarily have to have him win games, could be something where they, they we might see him sooner rather than later. But I, I, I kind of thought they'd go a different direction with this and maybe get a tackle or maybe get something else and maybe worry about quarterback later on or maybe even next season. But Ended up going with Herbert, and you know, like I said, I think that, and I, what I think, when I one thing I read today was kind of an interesting take on it is they don't view themselves picking in this spot too many more times in the near future. So I think they kind of thought, while we're here, he falls to us, we're going to go ahead and take him, and then we have our our quarterback hopefully figured out for the next ten, twelve years at least. Yeah, well, Cleveland Browns think that every year, and it doesn't <laughs> always work out. Uh, so totally agree though. All right, let's move on because we don't have a lot of time and we want to focus on obviously the two big positions, running back and wide receiver running back position. We only had one guy drafted in the first round as the last pick of the first round, but oof, what a pick by Super Bowl champions, Kansas city chiefs, uh, Damon William fans. 
We told you this last year. Hopefully you listened that that guy wasn't the future of this team. And uh, the, the Chiefs proved that by going after Clyde Edwards. I assume it's pronounced Hilaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and w- with the first pick and was basically a, a pick that was really made from what we heard uh, by Patrick Mahomes, who was actually texted by the GM and said, which of the top running backs do you like best or would think would be the best fit or the best choice? And he said, Clyde, and by God, Clyde it was. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, from what I've seen right now, at least early projections, early rankings, um, Clyde is um, just outside the RB2, but if he becomes the starter day one or, you know, becomes more obvious that they'll become the starter, he's going to skyrocket up that, that chart. Um, I think that they'll probably give Damian Williams the job. You know, it, it's basically his job to lose. But, you know, again, last year he didn't stay healthy. That's a big key. Obviously, that's why these guys went after this kid. Uh, very talented receiver and runner. Um, played with a great system, great team in LSU. Uh this kid could be a star, and he's certainly in the right spot. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that you know, even if they do give that job to Damian Williams, I think you're going to see enough of him because you're not going to spend a first-round pick on a guy, especially at this position. Because we've seen teams that have kind of shied away from going with these first-round running backs. They felt he was the guy they wanted to go with out of these three that we're going to three or four we're going to talk about here. And I think for fantasy purposes, he's going to give you enough, even if he's not quote unquote the starter. I think he's still going to get a ton of touches. You know, he he misses tackles, he runs you over, he catches the ball well. You kind of hit on it all. Right. Pretty decent between the tackles for not a, not a huge guy, mm-hmm. but I think it's a great pick for them just to add to that complement of weapons because I don't think they need to look at him as maybe necessarily a workhorse back since they do have a couple other guys there and a couple other options on offense. Right. I mean, the only thing that always scares me, you know, and, and I nobody brought this up. It just actually just popped in my head. And, uh, you know, last over the last two to three years, we've seen picks like this, end of the first round, going to a, a playoff, if not Super Bowl team, in guys like Rashad Penny and guys like Sony Michelle. Is Clyde Edwards going to be that guy or is he going to be the future star? That's what it just I don't know why that just jumped into my head. And I know I'm sure every person who watched this guy in college will say, oh, This guy's a stud and he's this is gonna be the best pick. And then but I go back to, you know what? I heard the same things about Penny and, and Michelle when they were drafted by, you know, Seattle and, and New England, and neither one of them really worked out because they couldn't stay healthy and they couldn't really get up to the pro level. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Not that I want you to answer it, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, next couple of picks, obviously early second round, DeAndre Swift going to Detroit, uh, which could mean the end, beginning of the end for Carrion Johnson. Uh, what are your thoughts about him? This kid, again, loved in college. Uh, you know, there was talk about whether he would be the first pick. I think it was basically between, you know, Edwards, Swift, and Taylor of which of these three would go first. They were all pretty close pick-wise. Um, you, do you think, though, that Detroit is done with carry-on, or is it going to be a lot like we just talked about with Kansas City where carry-on, it's carry-on's job to lose, and then Swift will just slowly take over either during the year or maybe not until next year? I, I wouldn't surprise me if you see him take over the majority of it again because I, I you might name you know Carryon Johnson the starter but I think it's kind of the same deal here, not not nearly as many weapons I, I don't believe on offense as there is obviously in Kansas City but you know when you look at a guy like DeAndre Swift you know the one comparison I saw to him was Frank Gore 
Mm. And, you know, when you're comparing him to a top five all-time rushing uh, yeah. NFL back, you know, that's a pretty good comparison. And yeah. he, I, I believe when I look at Swift, I think he's – of the three, I think he's the most complete. And I think he does have the best shot at being that traditional three-down back. But I think it's just – in this scenario, it's just kind of a matter of him – just take it. He might not start as as the starter per se, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that he takes that job away. Right. All right. So we move on to your team, the Indianapolis Colts, who was uh, just did a great job and, and grabbed Jonathan Taylor, who some thought were the best was the best back in the in the, the uh, draft. But the one knock on him is that he doesn't catch that many, as many passes as Edwards and Swift, and so therefore he fell a little bit. It appears that Indy is kind of looking at him to be Marlon Mack's replacement and not necessarily Neheim Hines' replacement. Uh, so as a Colts fan and as a fantasy fantasy guy, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor? Is he, is he going to share time? Is it, uh, again, kind of Marlon Mack will get his chance? But, you know, what are your thoughts on, on, on Taylor coming to the Colts? Well, first of all, I, I don't know if there's ever been a person more excited about a team that didn't have a first-round pick more excited about the draft than I am. I love what the Colts <laughs> did. Right. Um, I, it, it's it's a question of what what they want to do with with Marlon Mack, and, and Chris Ballard said point blank, "We're not looking to trade him during the draft. Now we've still got a long way to go before Week One, so we'll see what happens." But I think that you know it, they made it pretty clear in the offseason they're not re-signing Marlon Mack they're not going to bring him back so it, he's kind of like you, we were talking about it off air a little bit he's kind of playing for a contract so is it a, a scenario where they want to get him carries and just maybe get what they can out of him this last season i think that's more of the scenario and i think of the three guys for this year anyway i think mack will get a pretty good share of the touches w- along with taylor unless you know but the the thing about mack as we know He's just like the other two guys we were talking about before, especially with the, you know, you mentioned Sonny Michelle and Kerryon Johnson. He's nicked up quite a bit. He's shown right. that he, he can be that guy, but he has a hard time staying healthy, and I think that's where Jonathan Taylor could really swoop in and, and, and maybe take this job. But I think if Marlon Mack stays healthy, I think it's going to be pretty even as far as what they're going to get because I think they just want to get Mack in there and kind of run the tread off him until he goes on his merry way in free agency. The other thing, too, Taylor has a lot of lot of mileage on the tires as well. You know, with the amount of carries, I believe I believe I saw where he had 926 carries in his oh, career wow. yeah, in right. Wisconsin, and that is a ton. So that could be something that they might have in the back of their minds as well. But I don't feel like if they thought that was a huge issue, they would have drafted him in the first place. So I like the fit. I like him going there. Give Philip Rivers or whoever's a quarterback, you know, in the future another weapon. But it's just that it's a great insurance policy for when Marlon Mack walks at the end of the year. So as we look the rest of the second round, we have uh, you know three well-known running backs, um, you know in the in the draft uh, that came out uh, during that time frame, and I didn't make the mistake of clicking on something I should have. So hold a second. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought if I hit the back button, I go back to where I was. It didn't. Uh, so second round, Cam Akers going to the Rams. J.K. Dobbins going to Baltimore and A.J. Dillon going to Green Bay. Um, the Akers one kind of surprised me. I really didn't think the Rams had totally given up on Henderson, Malcolm Brown kind of combination, but I have to believe now that they have. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, again, Mark Ingram's not getting any younger. Um, I think this is a kick in the nuts to um, Justice Hill, um, who I've heard be hyped about for the last two years and did nothing. 
Uh, Dylan, again, I, I think that they're not wanting to going to not want to pay Aaron Jones next year or the end of this year. So that appears to be the future there. What are your thoughts on these three? Do you see any of them having any value you think in 2020 or you think it's all long-term for them? I think they all have at least a little bit. I'd say I, the guy that I think has the most value in 2020 is going to be Cam Akers just because I think he's in the best situation and he doesn't have that, that, that name factor to deal with. You know, you got, Obviously, you mentioned Dobbins going in and having to deal with Mark Ingram. You know, there's a lot of guys in that backfield. Gus Edwards is back there right. as well. Exactly. Um, so it's pretty crowded back there. So I don't know. 2020, you see immediate dividends from him, but you got to love those guys that come from those big programs and you know they're they're, mm-hmm. they're solid prospects. But I think Cam Akers is the guy just because you know I I think it's going to be more of Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. I don't know if Malcolm Brown's really. He might be the odd man out. I don't know. He's kind of the old elder statesman of the group at 27 years old, so we'll see. But there has to be something there, like you said, that they don't like for them to spend a second-round pick um, on a running back because I did. they didn't have a first-rounder this year, did they, the Rams? Right. No, they did not. Yeah, that's okay, so the this, one they traded. Forget for who, but – Okay. Why so, they so, they're, so they're spending a pretty early pick, especially in, on their board – at a position where the, you know that they had, we thought they had two guys that maybe they might one of them get get it figured out and get the starting job, but I, I think he falls in the best situation. So I think of those three, he'd be the guy that I'd be shooting for in twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I, that would be my thought too. I mean, uh, Dobbins is certainly very talented, but there's just a lot of people there. Um, you know, Green Bay. Again, you know, um, Jonathan Way or yeah. Uh, Williams or Jamal Williams um, and Aaron Jones, they're already kind of messy backfield. So uh, the rest of the the rounds, uh, you know, a lot of different guys, a lot of backups. Um, I think draft picks more just to have a solid backup. Um, you know, I think the one that jumped out to me was the fact that Tampa did get somebody in the third round, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, you know, he's 23, you know, came out of Illinois, good back. Uh, but I just feel like he's more of a Peyton Barber type guy. And I think that if it speaks anything, I think it makes it good for Ronald Jones' future uh, that they are going to give him a shot and they're not going to try to bring in a replacement. Now, again, stranger things have happened. We've all heard about Leonard Fournette possibly being traded. So we'll see if something like that happens. But at this point, that was good. Any other in those uh, you know rounds three through seven – Anybody jump out to you, uh, other than the fact that LaMichael Pirine, uh, who got drafted by the Jets in round four, is 30 years old. I don't know if he went to the service. Uh, He had a late start. I don't know, but I was shocked because there's a column here. I'm on Pro Football Reference, and it has their ages, or at least some of their ages. And I saw 30. That's when I, I clicked to see if that was true, and it was. And I'm like... Wow. Okay. You see that from quarterbacks sometimes, you know, but mm-hmm. not running backs. Anyway, anybody else uh, you, in those uh, other later rounds at running back that, uh, you know, jumped out at you like you were surprised or, um, you know, that might be a, uh, you know, maybe more valid starter or share targets with somebody in those teams at this year? The, the one guy that jumped out at me a little bit that kind of falls in another good situation was Anthony McFarland coming out of Maryland, going to mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Right. And, you know, we, we've talked verbi- you know, endlessly on here about how James Conner was huge disappointment as far as he's another guy that gets nicked up quite a bit. So he's a guy that you might look at a little bit later on that could definitely see some snaps, even right. if James Conner doesn't get hurt. 
you know, he could be a guy that could, could steal a few touches from him in the backfield. But if he does end up getting injured, he'd be a nice little handcuff for James Conner, I think. Right, right. Very crowded when you still got Snell and Samuels. But like you said, um, they all can't seem to be stay very healthy. So, all right, let's, well, let's move on to the ultimate in this draft. Um, this was, you know, the dream draft forever of wide receivers and um, – it was interesting where they fell. I think I was shocked by the teams that drafted them more than I was, you know, by uh, what pick they were. Um, there was, you know, six that went in the first round, which is pretty high. But um, I think there was – I thought there might have been more. I thought some of these other guys would have went in the early rounds, but they didn't. Um, we start off with Henry Ruggs third, Mr. Bathrobe, uh, going at the 12th spot. Um I think the best quote of the night I heard was, I knew this was supposed to be a remote draft, but the fact that Al Davis is drafting from the grave just seems to take it to a new new spot. <laughs> oh, man. Because because Henry Ruggs, of course, was the fastest wide receiver out there. They could have had Jerry Judy. They could have had Lamb. They could have had anybody, but they took Ruggs. Uh, not that there was anything wrong with the kid. He's obviously super fast, but they had Tyrell Williams. But anyway. So, uh, you know, I, but I think of all of the big three that went between Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb, uh, and, and some of these other guys, uh, he's certainly got the most potential fantasy-wise because there isn't much competition other than Tyrell Williams uh, in that, on that team. They've got Hunter Renfro, who's more of a slot, you know, uh, Ju- Julian Edelman-type receiver. Um, what are your thoughts on Ruggs out in, in super hot Vegas? Well, I think that, you know, running a four two seven forty, you know, that's it's like you said, it's the most Raiders thing that the Raiders could have done with this pick. And the the thing you like about him that that obviously that speed, but that speed makes him a guy that you have to game plan for. It makes him a guy that you're gonna have to get help over the top with the safeties, you know, the whatever corners mm-hmm. on him. And so I think that he instantly becomes a game changer just because of his presence on the field and how fast he really is. As far as a fantasy standpoint in Oakland, I mean, he's going to get targets just because, you know, like you said, there's not a ton there. It'd be interesting to see where they line him up. Is he an outside guy? Is he a slot guy? I, I, I don't know where, where they plan on lining him up. You know, John Gruden, I'm sure, has, has some plans as far as what they're going to do with him. But I, I think it's a solid pick. Another thing gives me just a little bit concerned, though. He's only 5'11", 188, so he's not right. super, super big. So that could maybe right. pose a few durability issues. But overall, I think it's a fine pick. I think it right. fits what they what, the, what they want to do all the time, and they just want to get the fastest guy they can, and they were able to do that. So on Pro Football Reference, they use all, all the teams are three letters for their – so, you know, like T-A-M instead of T-B for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. It concerns me a lot that the Vegas team is VEG, like it's vegetarian or something. Just they couldn't have made it LVR, really? VEG. So that's that's disturbing. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Anyway, uh, Jerry Judy. Oh, interesting thing about uh, the Raiders is that they also, in the third round, had back-to-back picks at 18-81 and took back-to-back wide receivers in Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards. So they definitely loaded up on receiver, that's for sure. Um, so we'll see, you know, if Tyrell Williams may be done, we'll, um, you know, as we head into this year. But let's go back to the first round, Jerry Judy going to Denver. Uh, and a little bit later, they picked up K.J. Hamler in the second round. So again, Denver loading up on receivers. Uh, we know Judy's was 
you know, picked as one of the more talented of the three, but you know, again, it depends on where you want to go. Uh, if anything, Drew Locke's stock has to go up quite a bit. Uh, you know, they're going to be very competitive offensively in a very competitive offensive division. So now you got Denver with some great receivers, core, good running backs with Melvin Gordon and, and Philip Lindsay. Uh, Drew Locke's obviously a gunslinger. You know, they're playing with Kansas City and the Chargers and now the Raiders with lots. So there'll be a lot of shootouts going on in the AFC West this year. I don't see a lot of defenses holding it up too well against these guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jerry, Judy, and Denver? Did you like the pick for them? Did you think that made the most sense? Um, I mean, I think it had to because they had to get somebody. Obviously, he was the best guy available. Well, I had to get out, I had to get out somebody opposite Cortland Sutton, too, because right. there's not a whole lot there behind him. And, we, and, you know, we talked a little bit about this off air as well, and he really came on last year, but you got to have that second guy to take some of the heat off him. And, you know, kind of like I was saying before off air as well, you know, the one thing about this first round was it just seemed like a lot of these teams didn't need to trade up because the chips fell exactly where they needed them to fall. And I've been reading for weeks that Denver was thinking about trading up and, you know, closer to the top 10 to secure one of these top guys. Didn't end up needing to do that because Jerry Judy fell right to them. I think it's a great fit. And like you said, they're going to have to keep up with Kansas City. And the only way you're going to do that is add more weapons. And they definitely did that, especially for a guy like Drew Locke who's going to need them. Right. And like I said, they had KJ Hamler was, I know, certainly one of the later picks that they mm-hmm. you know expected to go second round, but still very talented young man out of Penn State. So um, good pick there um, with back-to-back, basically, um, getting some two very good receivers. Probably, I, I think, maybe the second biggest surprise of the first round was Dallas taking CeeDee Lamb uh, at wide receiver at number 17 when – um, allegedly they have a really good wide receiver named Amari Cooper, uh, and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, they picked up, you know, they have not Randall Cobb, but anyway, so they lost Randall Cobb. So they pick up CD lamb. Uh, and this was a kind of a shock to a lot of people. They really didn't think Dallas was going to go after a wide receiver to spot, but I think that was just too good for Jerry Jones to pass on. And so, you know, with Amari Cooper under a, uh, a franchise tag this year, uh, that that may be the end, you know, beginning of the end for him uh, to do the one-year thing, ship him off, and if Lamb picks it up second half of the year, we may not see Amari Cooper in Dallas anymore, uh, which obviously will kill his consistency. Just kidding. Uh, so... <laughs> What, what were you, what was your thoughts when you're like CD Lamb was was the Dallas pick? I, it's it's you know we talked about Raiders doing Raiders things. I think this is a, a case of Jarrah doing right. Jarrah things. You know this is a perfect Dallas Cowboys move, and I think it you know it's fine. It, it's something where it makes you wonder about Amari Cooper's future. But you know mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of scouts, a lot of people had him as the highest graded wide receiver off the board, and for him to be the third guy picked at that position when you don't necessarily need him. I think when you pick at 17 and you've got the top wide out and this wide receiver heavy class coming right. out, I think it's a no-brainer no matter really what the team is. you got to go that direction. Definitely, definitely. I think probably I think the probably most relevant quarter, uh, you know, pick came that could be fantasy relevant this year is uh, Jalen Rigger going to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson is definitely not getting any younger, so they needed a kid that could come in, kind of take over that position moving forward. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good pick there. Um, some of the other picks later was questionable, but that one was pretty good. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Right after that, at pick 22 is Justin Jefferson, who is basically Stephen Diggs Jr., or Stefan Diggs Jr. Um, no surprise there. They they were, uh, I think, again, they did, they, there was talk about them having to move up to get one of these receivers, but they were very happy to get Jeff, Jefferson there, who, again, is kind of a mini-me of, of Diggs anyway. What are your thoughts on Rieger and Jefferson at the 21-22 spot? Uh, both of them yet again. And, and before we go on too far here, too, let's not get too excited in, in next year's fantasy about a lot of these receivers. Because if you look historically at a lot of these receivers, right. first year, don't do much for you. But that said, I, I think the Rager pick is fine. You know, the one thing that they said that, that hurt him in his junior season coming out was some spotty QB play, and that really kind of caused a dip in his production. But when you look at him on film, man, he compensated for it the, the best that he could. And he's a, he's another burner, but he, there's really not a lot to compete with there. Like you said, Deshaun Jackson's not getting any younger. Who knows what will happen with Alshon Jeffrey. Right. They were, it, was, it was rumored they were trying to shop him. I'd be surprised if he's still on the roster when uh, when it comes around. So I, I think he's going to have a decent path to targets uh, in that offense. And I, I think that I think both of them are solid picks. But I think of the two, I think you'd have to bet on Rager being a little bit more fantasy relevant for just this upcoming season. Right. And then just like uh, Vegas did or the, the Raiders did, Philadelphia went and picked two more wide receivers: John Hightower in round five and Quez Watkins in round six. So they picked three wide receivers in this draft. So interesting that uh, they obviously are planning for the future. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of old guys that could be out of a job here in the next year or so in Jeffries and uh, Deshaun Jackson. All right, last pick of the first round was San Francisco's, uh, or last wide receiver picked in the first round, I should say was San Francisco, and I think they moved up for this spot um, or uh, to get this spot, and they got Brandon Ayuk to kind of be on the other side of Devo Samuels. You know, they, they later then traded Marquise Goodwin to Miami. Or no, they traded Marquise Goodwin to somebody, but I don't think it was Miami. Philly. Anyway, he actually Philly. is going to be there in That's Philly right. competing with Ray. That's right. Yeah. I knew there was another wide receiver that went to Philly. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they went after Brandon Ayuk. So they two youngsters there could go along with Kittle. Uh, they traded, you know, then San Francisco also traded Matt Breida to Miami uh, as well to get some picks. So they did a lot of wheeling and dealing, um, you know, but that's what you do when you're good. You don't rest on those laurels and Kyle Shanahan's definitely not doing that, uh, nor is John Lynch. So uh, some good moves by San Francisco. If I remember, John Lobb was a big fan of Iuke, right? Wasn't yes. he thinking yeah, that? When, when we were when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, you know, I think you asked anybody that's kind of we're not hearing too much about, and that was the first name right. he said. So that made me kind of perk up when the Niners got him in the first round. Right. So as always, John was correct and knew what was the best guys to get. Obviously, John Lynch was listening that night and mm-hmm. uh, to John Lobb as he should, and he went after Brandon Ayuk. So good job to both Johns for for following following through with that scenario. So there's a re- there's a reason he's a gridiron scholar. That's right. Absolutely. A uh, lot of good receivers picked in the second round. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, not that we're going to spend a lot of time on tight ends because there weren't too many good ones picked. But uh, second round, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman going to your Colts. Uh, LaVisca Chanel uh, uh, going to Jacksonville. We already talked about Hamler. Chase Claypool going to Pittsburgh. Van Jefferson going to the Rams. Uh, Denzel Mims, who we thought might be a first-rounder, went all the, uh, fell all the way down to the Jets at 59. Uh, and then that, that was pretty much the end of the second round. Of those guys, uh, and you could talk about Pittman, obviously, in addition to that. 
What are your thoughts on some of those guys in the second round? I'm a big fan of T. Higgins going to Cincy. Um, we know A.J. Green is not getting any younger and not getting any healthier. So good pick by Cincinnati beginning of the second round to combine him with, uh, with Joe Burrows. I think that's always – I like that fit, bringing in Burrow along with T. Higgins so he can maybe kind of develop that chemistry early on, both coming in as rookies. It's it's kind of funny because what a couple of the comparisons I saw of T Higgins were to AJ Green, which I thought was definitely coincidental. It's right. be kind of cool to have him there to maybe learn from them and, and Tyler Boyd as well. I like that pick a lot. Honestly, I like all, pretty much all of these guys. Chenault was a right. guy that I was, I was kind of looking at. You know, maybe the Colts taking you know big play guy uh, coming in. I think he's got a path to some targets there. You know, alongside uh, DJ Chark, right? M- Michael Pittman. I don't really know what to expect. You know, I, I think that from what I've read, it's going to kind of bump T.Y. Hilton down into the slot and, and have him on the outside opposite Zach Paschal. I got a soft spot for Michael Pittman because I, I his dad helped me win a few PPR titles back go. in the day right. when he was that guy that caught everything out of the backfield in Tampa. So you got a soft spot for him for sure. But it, it, I like that pick, second pick in the second round. I want to go a little bit beyond this because I think my most intriguing guy at this position was picked at the beginning of the third round. And, of course – when we're talking about the Washington Redskins, they find a way to screw just about everything up. But they got a guy out of Memphis named Antonio Gibson, six foot two twenty eight, was kind of a Swiss Army knife there at Memphis, four three nine forty. So he's a burner at that at that size. But a kid that played receiver, played running back at thirty three carries, returned kicks, did a little bit of everything. I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch develop, and it'd be great to see how. Maybe they if they move him around like that with that versatility, but that speed, you know, hopefully that'll be something Dwayne Haskins can use. But it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate everything he does into that offense. But I think he's probably the, my kind of under the radar guy that I'm going to be watching the most. Last one that I thought was was a, a solid guy and a buddy of mine who's a big Notre Dame fan kind of keyed me into this guy when he went to one of their games last year was Chase Claypool, and that's another mm-hmm. guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well coming in there. You know, solid solid hands, not ultra flashy, but I think a guy that can come in there and compete. You may not see much out of him in 2020, but I think beyond that, I think he's a solid dynasty guy. But just when you look at the amount of receivers that were picked in the first two rounds and even into the third round, that just kind of speaks to the depth of this class. I mean, there was receivers going off the board everywhere. Yeah, it was amazing. Like you said, I mean, even the Browns in the sixth round got Donovan Peoples-Jones um, from Michigan, who's, you know, of course, the first thing I thought of was, wait a minute, didn't we make that mistake with <laughs> with the guy out of Michigan a couple of years ago that was supposed to be uh, Mr. Everything defensively? I can't think of his name. Do you remember what I'm talking about? The guy that was a safety, but he was uh, also... Julius Peppers. But yeah. you, when you yeah. said that, though, you immediately made me think of Braylon Edwards. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... So maybe a good pick. We'll have to wait and see. But it's one of those where sixth round, uh, but it definitely got a lot of love, um, you know, in the draft things that I've read. The Browns were like the seventh highest uh, draft results or draft grade. Uh, and one of the picks that they really liked was the fact that uh, they got him so late as a, uh, you know, just somebody of talent. So, all right, so we got about uh, a little over five minutes left. There wasn't two. There was no first round tight ends this year. There was only one second round tight end, and that was Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. So your Notre Dame guy probably spoke to him. And amazingly enough, the Chicago Bears drafted him. So you know they they had Burton. They got rid of him. They got 104 year old Jimmy Graham, and then decided to draft one in the second round. 
I'm starting to believe that Chicago is just the new Cleveland Browns. What are they doing? Getting, in, I mean, I know why they're getting one, but why did you go and get Jimmy Graham if you're going to draft somebody like this? And you know, in the second round, when you could probably use some other players, like I don't know, wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, uh, the only thing I could figure is maybe it was a case of they didn't think he was going to be there, and he kind of fell to them. Yeah, it's possible. Not, I guess not another right. another guy that I don't know necessarily a ton about i know he had a great combine and that you know rocketed him up quite a few boards but you know having the the pedigree coming out of notre dame good size 6'6 260 ran a 47 definitely something that they're going to need because obviously as of what we have seen jimmy graham is not the long-term solution jimmy graham is i i don't want to say his career is over but he's going to be minimally successful so i i think he's solid here getting uh, comparisons to Tyler Higby, which, you know, Tyler Higby came on a little bit. You know, we talked about him when we covered tight ends. And, you know, not a bad guy to be really compared to. So could be something that could end up being solid in fantasy. I don't know if you necessarily see it because you don't know if Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles is throwing to him. So don't have a ton of confidence in either one of those guys. But I think a guy in dynasty leagues you definitely should take a look at. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they've got to use – you know, maybe if they have a real tight end. Well, first they need a real quarterback, so maybe that'll be Nick Foles. We'll see. They didn't draft a quarterback either, which I guess makes sense. But <laughs> I know they said that they weren't going to re-sign him. So the only other thing I would have mentioned is, you know, we talked about Raiders being Raiders and Browns being Browns and those kind of stuff. How about the Patriots being Patriots and taking not one, but two tight ends in round three, ten, point, ten picks apart? And they said that basically these guys were both the two fastest tight ends out there um, and they, you know, already comparisons of uh, a Gronk Hernandez thing again. Um, and uh, what I don't know if you saw much of that or know much about it, about these two kids other than I read was they were both the two fastest tight ends in, in the uh, combine. Well, Devin As- Asiasi is a guy that I looked at a little bit before the, the draft started. Yet again, decent size for, for uh, the position, mm-hmm. decent speed for the position. Didn't put up a ton of numbers in college but I think he's definitely a guy that's got a little bit of a little bit of uh potential there and he's going to New England so we know the history they have with tight ends so definitely a couple other guys to watch for sure if you if you don't get Cole Komet in your dynasty draft definitely a couple guys to look at him and I think the other guy was what is it Dalton uh Dalton Dalton Keener is the other guy so Keenan yeah Keenan yeah so so he came Couple out of Virginia to Tech. At. Yeah, yeah, like I said, they both. Um, we got just about two and a half minutes. Just wanted to comment on the Browns taking at fourth round pick Harrison Bryant, who I think was actually a pretty high rated. There was a lot of love for this kid, even though because he just came, but he came out of Florida Atlantic, so not a big school, but uh, definitely a lot of love for him. So that pretty much is the beginning of the end for Najoka, we assume. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, overall, any other guys you just kind of want to mention, whether it's from the Colts or just any other pick that you were, um, other than Jordan Love going in the first round to the Packers? Um, and uh, is this the is, is this the future? Are, are we seeing the end of Aaron Rodgers already? Well, a couple things here. Number one, another tight end, real quick. Adam Troutman put him put him in the back of your brain. Went to New Orleans. Nice fit there. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Love. I don't really understand that, but the thing I, that, that's a little weird to me is they traded back in to get him. Right, little little questionable to me. The last thing I wanted to mention real quick is another Colts pick, Jacob Eason, 
was a guy that went in the fifth round. And you always want the guy on your team that said, and I quote, as soon as this coronavirus stuff is over, I'm going to head to India and I'm going to compete my nuts off. Who does not want that guy on your team? Yeah, every day of the week. Every day of the week. I got you. No, I'm definitely in on that. So, yeah, a lot of good picks. Browns took, of course, offensive tackle in the first pick. Uh, in in um, and I'm pretty sure that was John Lobbs again. It was his favorite lineman, uh, Wills uh, Wills out of uh, Alabama. So uh, I was pretty happy about that because they had a choice between him and Worf, and then Tampa Bay moved up to get Worf. So um, obviously, but the, all, I know they're all very highly ranked. So definitely a lot of lot of love there. So all right, Ron, 50 seconds left. Hit me up. What what you guys doing? Any baseball stuff? I know you're going on a podcast tonight, right? Uh, I had to end up canceling last minute. Had oh, a couple okay. things pop up that I need to get done. But yeah, if you if you haven't yet, tune in to Justin Mason. They're doing the potathon a uh, little bit longer here. Uh, that said, we're trying to throw some stuff. Nasty Cast, Fan Attacks, Dynasty Baseball. We're we're struggling here because there's no baseball news. But yeah, we're going over. Right. We got the Nats system coming up on the Dynasty podcast, and we'll come up with something fun for the Nasty Cast this week. I'm sure we'll have something up our sleeve. Beautiful. Well, as I mentioned, I'll be working on the guide, updating everything, uh, rankings. Uh, you know, tier draft list, all that kind of good stuff to get everything up to date based on the draft that happened this past week. And of course, as always, you can get that on Amazon or you can get that on Amazon. Have a great week.